the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. It is a perfect Western Pennsylvania fall day, isn't it? It's cloudy, it's cold, a little rainy, kind of dreary, but it's just so beautiful. I really, this is this suits me fine for today. Now, a month of this, I might like be like, you know, ready to go insane, but today, Kath, what? Don't you just love this? No, it's so what? gray. What is that? I just, I don't understand your deep love of the gray autumnal, like we're a heartbeat from winter thing. I, I just think it's glorious out That's there. It's so good. I love your positive attitude. Congratulations right. on that, John. Thank you. Very nice. Okay. As we get underway on Wednesday's show, Kath, would you please give us the top four at four? I sure will, John. For Wednesday, October 28th, number one, one week from the presidential election, more than half of the three million voters in Pennsylvania who applied for a mail-in ballot have returned them, state officials said. According to the PG, that leaves about 1.1 million whose ballots still haven't been received by county election offices. So what should you do? Don't wait. Quote, Hand deliver your vote ballot at a secure drop box or at the County Board of Elections said our governor, Tom Wolf, noting that, quote, walking your ballot to the place where you can turn it in can avoid any uncertainty about whether the ballot will count. Very nice. I'm holding my ballot right now. Mm-hmm. I think I'll vote on Saturday this week. No, so you're setting that day aside, your special uh, voting day? Because you got to drive down. I'll drive downtown and drop okay. it off. All right, good. You're walk. You're doing exactly what the governor said. Thank you. Very good. Number two, Facebook chief Mark Zuckerberg, Twitter chief Jack Dorsey, and Sundar Pichai, CEO CEO of Google and Alphabet Inc., testified today before the Senate Commerce Committee in a hearing which addressed their platform's role in shaping political discourse. The three chief executives appeared via video streaming before the panel less than a week before Election Day. And, John, in a bit of public irony, Mr. Zuckerberg initially had, wait for it, technical difficulties Uh connecting to the hearing to deliver his opening (laughs) statement i love it senator roger yes senator roger wicker of mississippi the panel's chairman was forced to call a brief recess and haven't we all experienced something like that Mm -hmm. in the past six months very nice Number three, the L.A. Dodgers king over all the baseball realms today after winning Game 7 of the World Series last night, 3-1 over the Tampa Bay Rays. L.A. celebrated their second championship in about a month, if you remember that the Lakers won the NBA championship. Corey Seager voted MVP. And speaking of Dodger players, and this gets us to number four, John, Dodgers third baseman Justin Turner absent from the field at the top of the eighth. Why? Yep, it's a positive COVID-19 test that somehow came back in the middle of the game in the World Series. 
But undeterred, Turner celebrated on the field at the game's conclusion. He posed for photos. He raised the World Series trophy. Sometimes he had a mask on. Sometimes he didn't. Turner says that he's completely asymptomatic. But of course, the haters are out, decrying the man as a public health threat and calling the World Series celebration, quote, a televised super spreader event. As I continue to say, and you're invited to say it along with me, COVID ruins everything. Amen and amen. And that is your top four. Top four at four. All right. I have a lot to unpack there. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So I did watch most of last night's game. It was yeah. the sixth game, Kath. Sixth game of the World Series. What did I say? Seventh. Did I say it was seventh? That's all right. Sixth no, game of I the World the Series. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you for catching me on that. So what's the deal? So the players... Like the NBA and the NHL beforehand, before them, MLB has been in the so-called bubble, right? Where there's been this very tight structure around the players. 54 and, days with no positive tests. Right. So at the beginning of the season, the Major League Baseball season, which was, of course, shortened to 60 games, it was a hot mess. I mean, teams were infecting. They were juggling around the schedule. They finally got things under control. But then... Okay, so what I read was that uh, Justin Taylor, who is the uh, one of the big stars, Justin Turner. So Justin Turner, in Game Six. <laughs> Justin, Sorry, we're screwing all sorts of details up here. So Justin Turner, he had an inconclusive result mm-hmm. the day before. So they retest every day during this uh, tight time, and it came back in the second inning inconclusive. They ran the tests again in the sixth inning by the time the sixth inning came around. And then they were like, oh, no, he's positive. So you got to pull him. He played the seventh inning. They pulled him in the eighth inning. And then, of course, the Dodgers rallied behind and win the game. He was told, don't go out on the field. You can't be part of the celebration. He sat for a while in isolation and then basically said, forget this. And he read on in the field. Major League Baseball security intervened, but they did not enforce it. And of course, there were photos of him just in time, you know, wearing the mask or not wearing the mask, sitting next to the manager. Someone said, hey, you were sitting next to the manager. He said, I didn't touch him. So Major League Baseball screwed this up royally. Well, here, I, okay, I'm a little sympathetic, though, to Justin Turner. Of course you are. He's been waiting all of his life to win this thing. Exactly. He's been waiting his whole life for this moment. He's born and raised in Los Angeles. Sure. Right? So he's a hometown guy. Who wants to? And we all hear about tests that come back positive that end up being negative. Exactly. Asymptomatic. He said he doesn't feel any anything at all. He's asymptomatic. You know, I I just. Yeah, of course. I I got more hacked off. By the haters calling it a televised super spreader event. Well, I mean, it, it remains to be seen, be. right? I, I know I guess it could be. I he's know. hanging out with the wives. He's hanging out with the kids, right? I'm sure after the game was over, they went and had a gigantic party, right? Of course, you you just won the World Series. Like you said, COVID ruins everything. So it remains to be seen. If this is going to be one of those things, all of a sudden, 10, 20, 30 people get sick or no one gets sick. I don't know. I just, it's kind of like the Amy Coney Barrett thing. Now, I mean, there were a lot of things wrong with that event in the road. Well, first party. of all, she can't hit the fastball. <laughs> she There's probably the thought it was game seven also, to be honest <laughs> with you. She's, but she's a little busier than I am right I now. So I should- she is. I should probably indict myself first. No, but it's just one of those moments where you think this is a terrific day of achievement for somebody. The highlight of your professional career. Can't we just 
you know, celebrate. And, and, and of course no. the virus doesn't care about our celebrations about, yeah. you know, our career achievements because the virus is just math and looking for wood to burn up. And I don't know, I just, I have a little bit more compassion for somebody who just wants to have a moment of just it. unbridled joy in the Thank midst you. of a season of despair. Exactly. Right. So it remains to be seen. Anyway, that's a look at uh, the top four at four. Shall we take a break? Come back. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. Uh, when we do come back, Josh Brown is with us. Don't miss it. Straight ahead. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy. We are Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's Word FM. WORD. Do you have your seatbelt fastened? Well, our journey this week on Through the Bible is going to be really exciting. So why don't you hop aboard the Bible bus as our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, begins a study of the Old Testament book of Zechariah. Today, we'll learn Zechariah's message may have been written long ago, but his message is relevant for us today. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. Joe Biden. Faith is what has got me through difficult times in my life. I lost my wife and daughter. When my son had stage four glioblastoma, it was a matter of months. Personally for me, faith, it's all about hope and purpose and strength. And for me, my religion is just an enormous sense of solace. I go to Mass and I say the rosary. I find it to be incredibly comforting. Kierkegaard said, faith sees best in the dark. Think of all the people you know who are going through horrible things and they get up every morning and they put one foot in front of the other. I marvel at people to absorb hurt and just get back up. And I'm absolutely, thoroughly convinced and optimistic about the prospects of this country. There is nothing, there is nothing we can't do. I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Biden for president. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. Lord's Prayer. Of course, we've repeated the Lord's Prayer, I'm sure, right? If you're a certain age, 
hundreds or if not thousands and thousands of times. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Josh Brown is with us from Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh. Josh, welcome back to talk to us about the kingdom of God. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, always good to hear from you, Josh. Um, you know, we've just finished a, a couple-week season of, of talking about a Supreme Court nominee. And uh, one of the things I noticed when people were talking about Amy Coney Barrett and her Catholic uh, belief system and the Catholic kind of subgroup that she was in is that language really makes a difference. And so the language that people used inside the group that she was a part of is kind of similar to the language that I would use at my church. But for people who aren't churched or from outside the church, all of a sudden they they said it sounded like weird and cultish. So first let's talk Hmm. about how language can be a separator between people who believe and people who don't. That's a good point. Uh, I think there's in not just in religious fields, but certainly in a lot of fields, there's just there's technical terminology, even jargon, if you will, that goes sure, along yeah. with it. And it's important to it's important to learn that stuff if that's a field that you're operating within. If it's a vocational field or professional field, there's just there's going to be certain terms and concepts and vocabulary that you need to that you're going to just need to learn. And that's true in faith as well. Uh, there's certain concepts and terms and words we need to use. I need to learn, rather, but you're right, Kathy, I think the challenge is when we use those assuming that everybody's familiar with them or that everybody is hearing them the same way or understanding what they mean in the same way. Um, And sometimes what you think you're communicating can can be very different than what you are communicating. Right. Okay, so then one of the common phrases, of course, you know, we just talked about uh, the Lord's Prayer, the the word kingdom. So can you talk about the kingdom, Josh, from our perspective, from someone who follows Christ, what is the kingdom of God? Yeah, that's one of those terms that is an important one. It's uh, it's used a lot, as you as you said, and it's it's written about a lot. There are entire and lengthy and very technical books written about how the term kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is used in the Gospels, how Jesus uses it elsewhere. So uh, we're not going to be able to get to the bottom of all of that, but. Sure. At the simplest level, I think it's really important for people to understand that we're talking about something that is uh, primarily a, a spiritual reality. I mean, this this was the same thing that Jesus had to make clear to his disciples, to the crowds, to those who are listening, that he wasn't coming to establish some polit- new political realm or some new military machine or anything like that, but there was something, something different, uh, something qualitatively different uh, because of who he was, uh, because of the kind of king that he was, and because of what it meant to be a part of that realm then. So, yeah, the word kingdom is a very familiar word, but even just taking a moment to, I think at the simplest level, you could possibly just say, look, when we talk about this, I'm not talking about some geopolitical state, but about a spiritual kingdom. Uh, Even at that simplest level, I think that gets you off on in the right direction. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. So take us back to the culture in which Jesus was speaking. Were they more... Mm -hmm or less able to understand kingdom than we are? Well, that's a good question. Um, it, it was certainly a different kind of a political world that they lived in than, than what we lived in now. Um, I think for a lot of us, when we hear the word kingdom, though, we might imagine some kind of um, you know late modern European sort of a right. setting like that, which would have been also right. different than what the disciples would have been a part of. They, they had been, they'd grown up under the rule of empire. Um, which was in some cases even more of an absolute 
uh, kind of a rule. But the sense that there was a, a realm that had boundaries, a realm that had a ruler, a realm that had a um, certain way of living and life within it, that was very familiar. I think that a, a not conceptual level to people. Um, again, what Jesus was meaning when he was using it was something different. And then I think even the way that it gets used now is sometimes something different. So then, Josh, is the kingdom of God heaven? Is the kingdom of God earth? Is the kingdom of God everything? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, where some, that's where some of the, uh, the, the theological yeah. debates really get going on, on things there. Um, yes, it is a spiritual reality. However, if we, if we think it exists only at that realm, then we get into this weird place where you know, we think the spiritual world is all that matters and the created world doesn't quite matter. That's maybe an extreme version of it. Um, so we can't go quite that far. However, if we think it's only about, you know, you and I and the interactions we have here now, and there isn't a larger heavenly spiritual um, element to it, then I think we've gotten a little far in the other direction. So Scripture, when it talks about it, presents it in really a fullness, uh, a wholeness beyond, I think, the categories that we sometimes use. And then certainly Mm -hmm. when you look at the way Scripture talks about the, the new creation, um, when Revelation says, when, when the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of the Christ, um, you see there then the fullness of that thing being brought to bear. Um, and I think that's important because uh, another thing is sometimes the language you use about it here in the meantime, I, I don't think is as helpful as it could be. Um, when people talk about building the kingdom, for example. Okay, so building the kingdom. So that's kind of dicey, right? Uh, that was another thing that came out of the uh, Amy Coney Barrett situation is um, she had talked at one point in one of the um, one of the legal societies who had asked her to present um, one of their um, mission. Part of their mission statement was, quote, unquote, building the kingdom of God. Um, and yeah. so for a lot of people, again, who are outside the church, that sounded like kind of like um, like a like a European crusade. Like yeah, yeah. Like theocratic or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's a man. That's a very, very common phrase, as you know well. It, it exists, I think, in a lot of different Christian circles. Not not just Catholic ones, and not just her particular uh, Catholic tradition, but in, in a lot of that's that's all over the place. Um, I've heard it in songs. You know, you hear it from pastors and teachers and all over the place about building the kingdom. And I understand what I think a lot of people are getting at with that. The reason that I don't think it's a helpful term, why well, I give you a couple of reasons, first of all. One is that it's not that's not the way Scripture ever speaks of it, ever. Mm. Um, you, you will not find that expression in Scripture, building the kingdom of God. Um, if you read through the Gospels, when Jesus talks about it, for example, uh, here's, some of the, here's some of the verbs that he uses. He talks about seeking the kingdom. He talks about entering the kingdom. He says the kingdom has come near to us. He says that we receive the kingdom, that we inherit the kingdom, that we're supposed to look for it. Uh, the book of Acts says we're supposed to testify to it. Paul says that we've been made worthy of the kingdom. And in the book of Revelation, he even says that we are uh, a kingdom. But you, you won't find the language of building it. Um, hmm. And I think that's an important thing to notice. And okay, so this is really interesting. Is yeah, Josh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. This is really interesting no. because I, I did a, a short internet search before you came on the air about, you know, build the kingdom of God. And so I hmm. saw uh, posts from the Mormon church, from the Baptist church, from the Reformed Presbyterian church, from the Catholic church, 
Um, so you're right. This is not something that's related to one denomination. This is just, a, yeah. is it just a nomenclature that people use? Uh, I think that's a part of it, which maybe comes back to your first point that uh, the way that we choose to phrase things is significant and it's become, it's become a very familiar one. I think that's one thing that happened is it's become so familiar that people just continue to recycle it and use it. Um, there's something about it that is kind of, I think, you know, for some people it is off-putting. I get that. Um, for some people, it is, it's kind of a motivating thing. It almost feels like a, like a bit of a rallying mm. cry or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I get the, that. so then, Josh, so then can I, so we are in the kingdom of God, but then I can't necessarily influence the kingdom of God? Well, that, that's an interesting, speaking of words, that's an interesting word. Let, maybe let me uh, say a couple more, a little bit more about why I think it's a, some of the misconceptions that I think can come from okay. it. And hopefully that's All a way right, to actually you. answer your answer your question there, maybe, John. When people talk about building the kingdom of God or us building it, one of the things that I think is unhelpful about it is it can lead to this impression that God, uh, God gives us the tools, He gives us the abilities that we need, and then just kind of steps back and, and watches us mm. bring about His reconciling work. And maybe that's an extreme implication, but I think it's there. Uh, it, it reduces God to uh, the one who kind of gets things rolling, gives us what we need, and then it becomes up to us. And the implication of that, I think, for me, it, it, to, to say that... Um, to say that building the kingdom depends on me is not, I don't find, I don't find that really, uh, I don't find any real level of confidence in that or anything. I mean, if we, if we can't even put together Ikea furniture correctly, how do we think we're going to build the kingdom of God? Right. right? I think uh, Josh, it, it's early, you know, but that might be the line of the day. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it's really though. I mean, if you look, look at the things that we as people build, and, and the motivation with which we build things, the quality of things we produce. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking about physical objects. I mean, sure. we build fractured families. We build corrosive workplaces. We build mm-hmm. uh, these, these narrow-viewed uh, little frameworks of looking at the world. And so if, if we think that uh, the construction of the kingdom of God were up to us, I, I don't know that there's any real hope on a qualitative or quantitative level for it. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple idea. of the concerns. It really... Uh, it indicates it kind of makes God more of a passive agent uh, than than He is, and it really puts a lot more of the weight on us, which I don't think is good news. Um, but again, it's not; it's just not even the language that Scripture uses. Mm-hmm. So, what we're supposed to do is we do participate in it; um, we are a part of it. John, to your question, um, I would say that we bear witness to it. I would say that we reflect it. Uh, like it says in the book of Acts, I would say that we testify to it, we point to it, we tell people what it is and who the king of that kingdom is. Um, we live in ways that uh, indicate kind of what the realities of that kingdom are, and all of those things are really important. And it may sound to some people like I'm just splitting hairs over the words there, um, but I do think it's important to see the way that Scripture talks about it, and then for us to do our best to speak about it in the same way. Reverend Josh Brown is with us, Belfield Evangelical Presbyterian Church in the Oakland District of Pittsburgh. Um, No, Josh, I think you're right. I think that this is a time when language really matters, and I think that it changes how we look at the reality of what we're doing. Um, Because if we look at um, the kingdom as something that we're responsible for, or that that out of our good attitude or 
works or whatever we can build, then the kingdom mm -hmm. is going to over time be different in our head, I think, than the reality of what it is. That's a really good point too, Kathy. You're right. It's very easy for us to start uh, gradually substituting any of our preferences, whatever those may be, for this is what this thing is supposed to look like. Um, and that, that can slip in a lot easier than we realize, and it becomes a lot more pervasive than we realize. Right. Yeah. Okay, so then, Josh, the bottom line is we having this discussion, and I really appreciate you helping us wind through this and bring some clarity. Mm -hmm. Why is it important that we think about, pray about, see ourselves as part of the kingdom of God? Well, I would say, once again, because that's the language that Scripture uses, and, and when Jesus talks about it, uh, he, I mean, he begins the gospel, you see at the beginning of Mark, he says, uh, he says to repent and believe, he talks about the kingdom drawing near, it is near, and, and the reason he's saying that is because he himself was there. Um, so first of all, we never separate, when we're talking about a kingdom, at the, at the simplest level, again, make sure people understand this is not some earthly political realm. Um, but that this is something that is anchored in Jesus Christ, and then you can never separate the king from his kingdom. I mean, that may sound simple, but it's it's very important. Um, and we make sure that this is something that is uh, it is one of those this, this is one of those already but not yet uh, elements in Scripture, right? Where the kingdom has been inaugurated through his resurrection and ascension, Christ is seated on the throne. It's not yet here fully. Um, we see glimpses of it. We can bear witness to it. We can point to it. Um, again, we can uh, testify to it. We can reflect it, all these words that I was using earlier. And those are vital and important. Um, and e even some of the motivation, I would say, that is behind when people talk about building the kingdom, which I think a lot of people, when they talk about that, they're talking about sharing the gospel, spreading the good news of Jesus, wanting to see people loved well in his name. That's all good. I'm not questioning that on any level. That's all good. That's stuff we need to be doing. Um, there are some concerns about the specific language of building the kingdom that I think we should just be aware of. Mm, I think that's wise. Josh Brown with us from Belfield Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Josh, talk about Belfield. How are you guys navigating the uh, COVID era? What's it like? Yeah, we're trying to be faithful and responsible in what we're doing. So we want to mm -hmm. be uh, we want to be faithful to the, the things that God has called us to do and to be as His people, and we want to do that in ways that demonstrate a care for one another and for our neighbors. So um, we're doing as much as we still can to care for our community down in Oakland, to reach out to the student population there, the hospital systems that are all around us, uh, folks in the area trying to be smart as we do that. Um, as far as our, our worship and, and kind of event opportunities go, they look a little bit differently, as I think most people's do. Um, but we're trying to find ways that people can be uh, remain engaged and remain um, pursuing the, the work that God's given us to do. Very nice. Josh, I hate to bring this up, uh, you, knowing that you're a Boston Red Sox fan, which is painful for all of us <laughs> here at the ride home. But um, are you excited about the Dodgers winning? Did you watch the uh, World Series? Do you have any thoughts? Um, you know, I've got a good friend who's a Dodgers fan. So a couple of years ago when they played each other, we were, we were getting into it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm glad to see them this year. Uh, my, both my boys, uh, Mookie Betts is one of their favorite players. So that oh, was, uh, well. that was a kind of tear your heart out moment when they no traded kidding. him. Yeah, it sure was. Right. yeah, you know, I'm happy for him. He played great. Uh, he's a great guy. He seems like a great, seems like a great guy, great player. Um, so it's, it was a weird, 
it's a weird season, but uh, super weird, it, right? Sixty games. I mean, it, it, <laughs> no matter what you say, it has to come with an asterisk because it's such a weird season. And listen, the COVID diagnosis in the like eighth inning is like mm-hmm. the cherry oh, on top of the Sunday. Perfect, just perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that was an odd thing. And I mean, you guys may have talked about this already, but you know, had the had the Rays won last night. What were um, they going to do? I, you know, I think. Well, yeah, I think the commissioner even said we don't know what we would have done. Uh, they, may, right. they may not have been able to play. You want to talk about weird. Can you imagine having a uh, deciding Loved game it. seven that never gets played? Man. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Josh, always a pleasure. Thanks for uh, helping us navigate through some very complex thing here that we uh, sort of take for granted, the kingdom of God. Hey, my pleasure, guys. It's really good to be with you, and I hope you stay well. And you as well. Josh Brown, Belfield Presbyterian Church in the Oakland neighborhood here in the city of Pittsburgh, Belfield. Take a break. Come back. Uh, Museums are back, but uh, it's, of course, different again. That's next. Are you a 50-year-old male with pre-existing conditions? Conditions where you may be a bit porky and have type 2 diabetes? If so, $1 million of term insurance should only cost about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-555-2085. If you lean left or right, wear a mask or don't, Big Lou will find an affordable term life policy for you. Big Lou's been very, very busy lately finding affordable term life insurance for people with pre-existing conditions. He's great on the phone with a bedside manner second to none. Get a term life quote now by calling 800-555-2085. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford with no broken promises. So call Big Lou. He's a lot like you, and he's hoping for a vaccine, too. For affordable term life, call Big Lou at 800-555-2085, 800-555-2085, or BigLou.com. Welcome back to Customize and Save with Liberty Mutual Insurance Company, the game show where you only pay for what you need. And we're out of time. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. John, I talked to my daughter today who's a student at Grove City. And uh, we were talking about her grades. You know, it's a little more than halfway through. Her midterms were last week. And I said, so, you know, how's it going? And she said, Mom, I had the greatest meeting with my guidance counselor. And I said, guidance counselor? She's not really a guidance counselor. It's like your advisor when you get to college, right? I said, what was so great about it? And she said, well, what I couldn't believe is like he was up to date on what I was doing. Like he knew how I was doing in each one of my classes. He knew the professors I had. He knew some of the things I'd talked to him about before. She said, all of a sudden I felt like I didn't have to go in and like tell him how things were going. He already knew how things were going. And so it was an opportunity for us to kind of get to know each other better. And I thought to myself, John, that's what I missed in my college experience. And that's what I'm so glad my kids are getting is that type of individualized attention that just as an adult reaching out to a student and saying, hey, I know where you are. Let's talk about it. That's powerful. So Grove City College, big enough to know it's a university and there's great intellectual stew there, but small enough that you're known by the people who are supposed to look out for you and shepherd you. Listen, both Kath and I, our kids go there. We love it. Look online for next year at Grove City College, gcc.edu. That is Grove City College.
Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com. In the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Clouds and sunshine this afternoon, high 58. Cloudy tonight, low 44. Cooler tomorrow with rain, high 52. Rain heavy at times tomorrow night, low 41. Rain continues into early Friday, then cloudy and chilly, high Friday 47. Sunny to partly cloudy Saturday, high 54. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. It's pretty common for Christians to say, what can I do? How can I help? Can I be of service? What is required? What is expected? I want to pitch in. Well, if you are looking uh, for a way to pray for the needs of others, we would encourage you right now to go to wordfm.com forward slash prayer request. You'll see a list of people from Western Pennsylvania who are asking for prayer today at our online prayer center. And it's something that you can do actively. Take it up. See the person, see their needs uh, wordfm.com forward slash prayer request. So we encourage you to be a prayer. Kath, um, I know that uh, from our uh, off-air conversations, you've recently ventured into museums here in uh, the Pittsburgh area. Oh, thanks to and, you. Uh, yeah, well, museums are back. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are dipping their toes, even amidst the COVID, but in a different way. So uh, I'm looking at uh, an article from the New York Times talking about, well, it's been this really weird year. And of course, museums, like every place else, businesses have been under the gun. The weird thing is, you know, for months and months and months, whether it was the Carnegie Museum here in the city of Pittsburgh or the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City or wherever, wherever there are museums. And of course, in most towns, there are some form of museums. They've been closed. So no money coming in. What do they do? Some museums have responded by, really, heartbreakingly so, selling major pieces of artwork, artworks for millions and millions of dollars to sustain themselves over these weird times. Other museums are, are struggling along. They're looking for grants. Do you know uh, the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation? Now, we're here in Pittsburgh. Of course, if you grew up in Pittsburgh, you know the name Andrew Mellon, right? Sure. Um, the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation is providing cash grants to museums uh, around the country, distributing some $24 million to mid-sized museums. Wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, the um, Carnegie Museum here in the city of Pittsburgh is not considered a mid-sized no, museum. I don't think it is a mid-sized museum. Right. But look, look at, um, have you ever been to the um, Westmoreland Museum of Art? I never have. Listen. I wish I would have gone there. It's a wonderful museum. It Mm -hmm. really is. The exhibition's there. And the art itself, the the curators are providing, I wouldn't say pandemic-themed displays, Mm -hmm. but art that speaks to the times, to the uncertainty. Or many museums are looking back a century ago and seeing how people looked at art and the times, right. you know, in the pandemic of 1918. Right. So, you know, I know people are want to get out uh, a socially distanced place to museum. You can speak to that. You had a pretty good time. 
Yeah, I was at the Frick uh, last Friday because John brought it up, and uh, that's on Thursday on our show. And I thought I should go over there. And uh, the Frick Museum is very small in Point Breeze, um, but it's a very lovely place. You have to schedule your tickets ahead of time um, so that they don't have too many people in there at one time. It's free. But yeah, and it's free, you know, no cost at all. Um, but I, you know, I, when I was in there, I just thought how desperate I have been to get in a museum. And I know that people are listening to this and some of you are thinking, I, I don't like museums. And I get that, but I love a museum. I just love them. And they give me a sense of life and perspective and beauty. And I just have missed it so much yeah. since COVID started. So it was really great to get back in a beautiful space like that. And um, I think it would be great to go to the Carnegie. I'm not sure what their, um, what their hours or, you know, availabilities like there right now. Oh, they're open. Um, yeah. And I've had friends who go there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think it'd be great to go there. Um, and I have to say online, again, I think, I believe I talked about this on last week's show. If you follow the Met, um, the Metropolitan Museum of Art on Instagram, they have such a great Instagram feed mm. and they're doing such a wonderful job trying to give you the museum experience while you're not in the museum. And I know nothing can approach being there and I get that, but I really appreciate how hard they're trying and they're really using a lot of different types of uh, visual approaches to kind of get you in the frame of mind that you would be in in a museum. It's Very really, nice. it's excellent. excellent. All right. So, you know, you can do a quick online search and listen, this day and age, it's just nice to be somewhere. Listen, don't you want to go and look at something beautiful? Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll yeah. lift your spirits. It really will. Very nice. Let's take a quick break. Come back. Uh, Ann Kennedy's with us. She's got a story to tell about her parents who have spent the entirety of their lives as missionaries. But heartbreak has ensued, and she wants to tell the story. And again, you can help if you're so inclined. Be right back. 101.5 WORD. Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends. With the best new music. New, new, new music. Born ready. New music from Kobe James. When I was born again, I was born ready. Jericho by Andrew Rip. All of my fears like Jericho. Man of Your Word by Maverick City Music. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Brought to you by Trinity Jewelers and Dennis Spira and Associates. 101.5 Word FM on the weekend. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip down when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Donald Trump never speaks softly. He speaks boldly as the voice for the voiceless, defending the unborn, the strongest pro-life president in history. He speaks forcefully, protecting the persecuted here and around the world, and for our right to freely practice our faith. 
He speaks unapologetically, nominating a historic number of judges who will defend our God-given constitutional rights. Joe Biden and the radical left want to continue the Obama-Biden policies that forced immoral values in our homes and schools and support abortion up until the moment of birth. They've attacked President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, for her faith. And Biden wants to rig the Supreme Court, taking away our constitutional rights. Donald Trump speaks for us, boldly leading the way. He's never let us down and never will. I'm Donald Trump, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Donald Trump for President Inc. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Ann Kennedy's back with us. Ann's a regular guest on our show. She is the author of Nailed It, 365 Sarcastic Devotionals for Angry and Worn-Out People. Ann Kennedy blogs every day at PreventingGrace.com. Ann, welcome back. Good to see you here again. Thank you. It's great to be Anne, here. Yeah, always good to have you with us. Um, uh, I did not know this about you, Ann, but... But you are the child of missionaries who spent considerable time in West Africa. You yourself was were raised there. Um, would you tell us? I think I cut out. Story of your mom and dad. Yeah, hold on for a minute. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, John, just, you, dro- oh, you dropped out on us for a minute. Yeah, okay, John's pick, un- a, pick it up there, Ken. Okay, thanks, John. John is unstable, and or or maybe <laughs> oh, it's no. just his internet connection. We're not it, sure. Well, anyway. probably both. <laughs> Anyway, he's just asking you to talk about growing up in Mali. Oh, yes. I My parents are with Wycliffe Bible Translators, and they went to Mali, West Africa in 1980. Uh, I was born in England on the way there, basically. Um, I was born in, in the 70s, but they were the first Wycliffe team to go into Mali, and they worked on a, a project there in a little village, um, and that's where I spent almost my whole childhood until I, it was time for me to come back to the States for college. So I grew up in what's called sub-Saharan Africa, just underneath the Sahara Desert in a mud hut, basically, without electricity or running water. That was my childhood. Wow. Okay, so uh, after many decades... Your parents, they come back from West Africa, and you yourself married now with uh, many children living in New York's upstate New York, um, and your parents want to come and be close to you. They want to you know, spend their, um, their formative years close to you and family. Yes. Actually, they um, after their work in Mali, they moved to Kenya, where they've been for the last 20 years, maybe 15 and they were actually forced back to the States because of um, COVID. They were repatriated. Um, and they are actually on remote assignment. They're still working. My dad is Zooming with his students in Nairobi every week um, because he, he's a professor of linguistics now, uh, loaned to Africa International University from Wycliffe uh, to them. Wow. And so he's still working um, with his students. 
And they did. They came back to the States in April and have lived with us for the last six months. And um, they were, you know, I mean, I think I'm a great person to live with. But, I mean, <laughs> they did decide they wanted to buy a house. It's hard to believe in. I know. I know. It's hard to believe. Um, and they bought a house uh, that's about a one-minute drive from me, just across from our park. So it's actually the perfect house for them. We've looked a long time and um, we've been really, really excited about it. And then, um, so about three weeks ago, they flew back to Oregon in the middle of COVID to go through their stuff that my aunt Kat, my aunt has um, been storing for them all these years. They've gradually added to their stuff, beautiful things from Africa and all their travels and a lot of language data family pictures they've just carefully brought it back to the states and stored it and uh that's what i was talking about this week they um started driving back here in a u-haul truck uh last week and um in indianapolis the truck was stolen wow okay so so (laughs) there's the entirety of your life all the mementos, the family photos, the family heirlooms, uh, roll-top desks, dishes, you name it, things that are particular and precious to you and only your family. And so then on a cross-country trip back here to New York, in the middle of the night, a thief comes and steals the U-Haul truck that is filled with all those particulars. I mean, I can't imagine yeah. what it was like for your parents to wake up in the morning to go out to the truck and realize it was gone into the vapors. Yeah, they, they, um, they I mean, it, they're still in shock. I think um, there's so many things that have been like every day. We just remember something else that was in the truck. Um, like oh. my letters home to them from boarding school were all in the truck. Um my my mom remembered her grandmother's glass bowl this week, and that was another heartbreak. Um, and then she watched somebody else put their couch on out by the curb. That's what we do here when we want to get rid of our furniture. She saw them do that, and then she woke up in the morning, and the couch was gone, and she called me in a panic. So she's going to be triggered like that, I think, for a long time to come. She's uh, very much in shock about being in America at all, and then to have um, – of this kind of loss and theft is um it's been really surprising of course we we're amazed at god's provision and of course the things that he um gives to us in terms of suffering are always kind of out of the blue um and yeah we're the adrenaline is running off right uh, beginning to die down but i think they're still very much in shock mm-hmm. So any word from police or any line at all on what happened to the U-Haul? Well, uh, we we were told by U-Haul, and I don't believe that this is official down from headquarters, that last year a lot of U-Haul keys were stolen and that there have been a lot of um, U-Haul trucks uh stolen as a result of that and that theft and i don't i've googled trying to find out more about that and of course haven't found anything official Uh, and in indianapolis the police are pressed they're hard pressed um and the thing like this is very low on their 
um, list when there's violent crime and other kinds of things. Um, and everybody, of course, was very sorry. But we, we've we called several times, and um, they, you know, of course, they wish you wouldn't call so often. And uh, that's that's kind of where we are. I'm still trying to fill out complaint forms and stuff like that, but it's a slow process. Right. Okay. So then, of course, Anne, I'm sure your parents and you've had these conversations that you, you think the worst, right? I mean, all those heirlooms, all those precious things that your parents acquired 40 plus years away. And then, of course, you know, your mother's things and all that, China and the just, you know, the minutia of what it is, that truck's gone. And those things are probably in a dumpster somewhere or in a stranger's house somewhere, or they're on Craigslist somewhere, or, you know, you have to feel violated that, you know, somehow something precious will probably never come back to you. Yes. That's, I mean, well, my mother said to me, she, she must be Jewish because when she was in, when she was very young, those of my parents grew up in Africa. They're the child of missionaries too. My mom went to Rift Valley Academy um, as a very young child, and her dormitory burned down, and she was a little girl. And she came home from church one day, and she had nothing, her and her classmates. And um, that's what, you know, that's the kind of, she said, this is, of course, we are willing to lose everything for the sake of Jesus. That's actually what we signed up for. Um, But it's really it's really strange to lose stuff that you took care of in a culture that is very used to throwing things away. It's it's really surprising of God to take those kinds of things away right, and know. to give them to somebody who doesn't know what they are and doesn't care about them. Um, so that's been the basis of our prayers this week, that God would glorify himself somehow in the middle of all of this. Yeah. It's really hard to see light in uh, times like this. I appreciated how you said it. It seems like an odd, you know, it seems like an odd thing for God to do. Um, I've thought that so many times. <laughs> well, that seems like an odd thing for God to do. Um, mm-hmm. And those are those are the times when you just have to kind of like trudge on. You know, you're yeah. not you're not walking with your head high. You're not like wow, praise the Lord. You're just kind of making it. No, my mom said to me that she realized that. God wanted her to become meek. And that was a thing that she didn't want. Like Moses, who was called to be very meek, um, he always was able to take it on the chin from God and from all the people. And that seems like a really interesting thing to read in Scripture, but then it's another thing to find that God is asking you to bow your head again and being able to do it. So she's I mean, the Christianity of my parents has always been astonishing to me, and it has um, really come out again. But now my local church is getting to see it firsthand, and um, it's not what we would have asked for at all. And we're we're trying to praise God in the middle of all that he is doing for us and to us. Ann Kennedy, author of Nailed It, 365 Sarcastic Devotionals for Angry and Worn Out People. She blogs every day, preventinggrace.com. So, Ann, you you join us, and we feel as though we know you, and uh, our audience, of course, uh, is with you every month as well. So uh, just the 
the simplest things. If people are so inclined and they hear this story and think, I can help in some way, I can do something, I'd like to ease, ease some pain and suffering here, um, what's the best way for people to reach out? Well, I, I blogged yesterday. Um, it's called If You Can Help. That's the name of the blog. And in the middle is a, a registry. It's like a wedding registry that we set up for my parents rather than a, a GoFundMe. It has lists of all the things that they are needing now from scratch. And that's a way for people to give um, if they would like to. Um, and we're also asking for prayer just for us, of course. And, I mean, I'm also like... You know, I don't know a lot about American life, even though I've lived here for a long time. And um, we're trying to think through what, how, how do we um, communicate with you all the best way? If people know about these kinds of things and how to navigate the system, I mean, I would love for somebody to DM me how to do that. Um, but mostly, we're just, um, we're really great. I mean. My dad today said, you you in this country have a lot of friends, and that's because for the last 24 hours, people who have been reading my blog for years have come just rallied and people I don't know and have never met. And that's been um, the most overwhelming um, and lovely thing that the people who have read me all this time um, have reached out and have really prayed, not just said that they were going to, but really prayed. And that um, that has been really meaningful and helpful as I've had to sort of put one foot in front of the other every day and try to keep, uh, you know, not a light spirit, but a functional one. That's yeah. been my goal this week. Right. So yeah. I'm so grateful already. And, um, yeah, they um, they are having to think about buying things like, um, not just dishes, but, you know, my mom had a potato peeler that she really loved. Those kinds of small things and big things that are um, part of the heartbreak. Yeah. Oh, Anne, I'm so sorry about all that. I'm going to I'm gonna post your um, your blog on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with Johnny Kathy. And in the middle, as Anne said, there's a link where you can go to the simpleregistry.com for Joyce and Robert. Um, I was very happy to see at the very end of all the things that are listed, you know, things like end tables and towels and rocking chairs or whatever. I appreciate the fact that there is a pet fund because they will eventually need a kitten. Mm-hmm. I thought that was <laughs> thumbs up idea. Yes. I mean, maybe not even eventually, like I'm ready to go buy a kitten. Right. Maybe for myself. I think it's the wise choice even now. (laughs) Very good. And God bless you. Thank you so much. We're going to reach out. Thank uh, you. From here in the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, Ann Kennedy, listen, go to her blog, preventinggrace.com. Ann Kennedy. Take a break. Come back. Okay. John's frozen. We're going to come back in just a minute and we'll talk about Antonio Brown. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Wall Street taking a deep nosedive today as surging coronavirus cases in the U.S. and Europe threaten more business shutdowns and pain for the economy. All three major indexes down more than 3%. Hurricane Zeta speeding toward Louisiana and intensifying, with landfall expected as a Category 2 hurricane this afternoon. New Orleans, where a pump system failure raised risk of flooding, is squarely in its path. UPS has profits and revenue surged in its most recent quarter. With so many people 
getting what they need delivered to the front door. The consolidated average daily volume at UPS jumped 13.5%. Profit jumped 12% to 19 or 1.96 billion, rather. The Dow plummeted 943 points today. The NASDAQ was down 426. This is SRN News. Joe Biden. Faith is what has gotten me through difficult times in my life. I lost my wife and daughter when my son had stage four glioblastoma as a matter of months. Personally for me, faith, it's all about hope and purpose and strength. And for me, my religion is just an enormous sense of solace. I go to mass and I say the rosary. I find it to be incredibly comforting. Kierkegaard said, faith sees best in the dark. Think of all the people you know who are going through horrible things and they get up every morning and they put one foot in front of the other. I marvel at people to absorb hurt and just get back up. And I'm absolutely, thoroughly convinced and optimistic about the prospects of this country. There is nothing, there is nothing we can't do. I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Biden for president. Word FM listeners, you have beautiful feet. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and Isaiah 52 says it best. How beautiful are the feet of those that send good news, and that's exactly what you've been doing since we began this campaign, God's Word to the World. You know where Bible League serves in places like Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and Latin America? Most of the evangelical community does not have God's Word. What's that mean during this time of pandemic? They've not been able to open their Bibles and be reminded of God's promises, and the reason is corrupt governments and majority religions do everything they can to keep Bibles out of the hands of God's people. But we have a goal of 5,000 Bibles, and would you know it, we're about 70% of the way to that goal, but we must wrap up this week. Please help us finish strong. $5 sends a Bible, $100 sends 20, $1,000 sends 200. Make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at wordfm.com today. Giving a Bible to somebody is the greatest gift you can give somebody in life. These times are intense for many, including pastors. Here's Dr. Brian Chapel. The storms are pretty intense right now. A pandemic, job loss, marital and family stress. Sometimes they turn on their pastors. Racial division. What do we actually do in such storms? Pastors, don't miss encouragement like that. From Brian Chapel, Senior Pastor of Grace Presbyterian Church, Peoria, Illinois. Join us for a series of virtual pastor appreciation events. You'll also hear from Dr. Paul Cannings from Living Word Fellowship in Houston. Listen, pastors, listen. The worst times that we can look at and see that all that is going on, when we understand the agenda of God, we can become great in those times of being great participants for the glory of God. The virtual pastor's appreciation event. Five different 90-minute sessions free each Thursday in October. Presented by Trinity Jewelers. Register now at wordfm.com. Clouds and sunshine this afternoon, high 58. Cloudy tonight, low 44. Cooler tomorrow with rain, high 52. Rain heavy at times tomorrow night, low 41. Rain continues into early Friday, then cloudy and chilly, high Friday 47. Sunny to partly cloudy Saturday, high 54. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May.
Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along today. A glorious fall day here in western Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's glorious, all right. Cold, wet. Yeah, I think gray. This is, that's awesome. Right. I mean, I'm, look, it's it's fine in October. It's just when it you know becomes February and March where you go, Okay, no moss. I've had enough of the gray days. But to see the first gray day, and I kind of like it. All right. Yeah. Knock yeah. yourself out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of knocking ourselves out, listen, um, our old friend and foe, uh, AB, is back in the fold of the NFL. How about that? You know, I mean, my best to him. If he wants to... Uh, try again in a way that is more respectful of the other humans around him. I yeah. am in full support. Well, it's a great country, right? When mm-hmm. someone, you know, with incredible talent sort of basically talks himself out of a job, a well-paying job at that, and then sits on his little canoodle there for a year or so and finally gets it a second shot. That's mm-hmm. really cool. I mean, not second shot, right? It's second, third, fourth shot, maybe fifth shot. I gotta be honest with you, and you know, in my experience, when I've had extended times of sitting on my canoodle, the good things haven't happened. Yeah, <laughs> they haven't. No, no, you got got to make things happen. Yeah, right? I guess. I guess there's something like that. Anyway, so he's with the he's with the hated yeah. Buccaneers. Yeah, that's okay. He's back, you know, with Tom Brady and whatnot. I mean, okay. I mean, look, uh, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. You know, they did some damage. Boy, didn't today. boy, didn't they just land in a pile of roses? They did. I mean, doesn't and you know that what? make you sick? No, it's fine. Look, oh, Steelers great. are six and zero. Oh. Great. How, That's I mean, great. We're fine, aren't we? Yeah, we are fine. We what they did was the Steelers, you know, have a, a deep receiving core and not a lot of eco. So it's like look, it's like Legarrette Blunt. After everything he did, he lands in New England and gets what one Super Bowl with the Patriots or two? I don't even right. remember. Yeah, it's I a nightmare. It yeah. Anyway, uh, how about the uh, poor Louisiana? Oh, my gosh, these poor people. Okay, so this is the fifth major storm this year that is supposed to pass through Louisiana. And uh, what's the name of it? Zena? Zena. Zena. Uh, Or no, I think it's Zeta. (laughs) Well, I think it's ironic that it's Z, right? No matter if it's Zeta or Zeta, they're hoping this is the last one. I mean, after five hurricanes or tropical storms buffering through you. I mean, how much more can you put up with Zeta? Mm -hmm. How much more? I mean, holy smokes. They're saying a nine foot storm surge is expected. uh, Even as we speak. Oh, those poor people. Nine feet. That's a heck of a lot of water. Are they saying what city, what cities it's supposed to be focusing on Uh, in Louisiana? No, as of yet, it's still undetermined, but uh, I think that largely New Orleans is supposed to be um, spared. I mean, there's always the talk about the levees, the levees, the levees, but uh, mm-hmm. there has not been talk about that. So I, I guess it all remains to be seen. Nine-foot storm surge. Good golly. Prayers for the people in Louisiana. Isn't that uh, the truth? Have you ever been? I've never been to Louisiana. I have been. I've been there uh, a couple times. Have you, though? Oh, you've been to... Uh, yeah, I went to New Orleans for my honeymoon, and then oh, I went back right. with my husband again another time. Right. That's the bed bug story. Right. That was the flea story. Oh, fleas. Sorry. Fleas, bed bugs. I mean, yeah, exactly. What the heck? It's an it's an insect you didn't invite into your room. That's what <laughs> no. it is. I mean, nothing says like have. Do you have a happy honeymoon than bed bugs yep, or fleas? That's right. It was sweet. Very nice. Okay, shall we take a break? Yeah. 
what is up for us for this five o'clock hour to persevere? Are you, I think, Kathy, you persevere pretty darn well through life. Uh, we'll talk know. about that in a few minutes with uh, Kurt Thompson. He is a psychiatrist. The doctor is in straight ahead. You're on the ride home. 101.5 WORD. Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music is here on the weekend. With the best new music. New, new music. Graves into Gardens. New music from Elevation Worship. Love Like Thunder by Richland. Your love is like the thunder. And Never Have I Ever by Hillsong Young and Free. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Brought to you by Trinity Jewelers and Dennis Spira and Associates. 101.5 WORD. On the weekend. Donald Trump never speaks softly. He speaks boldly. As the voice for the voiceless, defending the unborn, the strongest pro-life president in history, he speaks forcefully, protecting the persecuted here and around the world, and for our right to freely practice our faith. He speaks unapologetically, nominating a historic number of judges who will defend our God-given constitutional rights. Joe Biden and the radical left want to continue the Obama-Biden policies that forced immoral values in our homes and schools and support abortion up until the moment of birth. They've attacked President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, for her faith. And Biden wants to rig the Supreme Court, taking away our constitutional rights. Donald Trump speaks for us, boldly leading the way. He's never let us down and never will. I'm Donald Trump, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Donald Trump for President Inc. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call, and we'll take care of the rest. No one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call 1-800-936-5496. 1-800-936-5496. Parents, let's be honest. Many high school and college-age kids seem to have little direction these days. That might be true for your son or daughter. They spend a lot of time gaming, hanging with friends, but nothing seems to lead them on a path to adulthood. You may want them to go to a four-year university, but their grades just don't warrant it. Their lack of passion and direction makes you wonder if a four-year university would even be a wise investment. Here's a better route to consider. The Full Stack Software Development Program from Steve Wozniak. Available through SalemCareerHub.com. They'll learn real-life work skills that are marketable and in high demand right now. 
And at SalemCareerHub.com, you can sign up for these courses at 50% off their regular price. Talk it over with your kids and get them out of the basement. They're probably as anxious as you are to move forward and just need a little push. The place to start, SalemCareerHub.com. You can also call 866-711-6275, 866-711-6275, or SalemCareerHub.com. This is Albert Butler with another word about the upcoming election. There is so much at stake. We might not be able to vote as conveniently as we voted before, but that just puts on Christian citizens the responsibility to work even harder to make sure that we vote and that our vote counts. Too much is at stake to sit this election out. So, whatever it takes, go vote. He persevered or she persevered. I, I think you hear that, you know, whether it's a, a person's success or a person's failure. I think oftentimes you hear it, unfortunately, at the end of a person's life after they've gone through a, an illness. But there is something to be said, I right, right, a lot to be said about those of us. And I think if you're alive long enough and of your certain stripe, you find yourself in a situation, maybe you've done it yourself, you've put yourself into a corner. And what, what are you going to do? You're going to work, persevere mm-hmm. to get out of it to make things better for a new day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure in your life, you yeah. persevered as well. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, sometimes you've put yourself in a corner, so maybe it's bad decisions on your part. Mm-hmm. Um, in other circumstances, it wasn't a bad decision on your part. It's just something that happened, whether it's a COVID-19 crisis or, you know, you got sick or you lost a job or, you know, whatever it is. And you think, I didn't do anything to get myself in the space and I still have to persevere, right? I mean, it's just, I don't know how many COVID-19 stories we've all heard about one person after another who has experienced a life-changing event, which is, you know, is different than you and I, John, who are, you know, inconvenienced because we're doing our show from our spare bedrooms and not in the studio, but it's different than someone who has lost someone to COVID-19 or whose job is never going to be the same, or, you know, like Ann Kennedy, who we just spoke to, whose parents, you know, put all their worldly belongings in a U-Haul traveling across the country, went to sleep in a hotel one night, came down the next day and the U-Haul was stolen. Right. So in the midst of loss, how do you persevere, even in the midst of success? I mean, everybody wakes up in the morning to think, okay, I'm going to do it again, right? I'm going to do it again. We persevere. Well, the doctor is in. Dr. Kurt Thompson is with us. Dr. Thompson is a regular guest on our show. He's also a psychiatrist in private practice in Falls Church, Virginia. He is the author of The Soul of Shame, Retelling the Stories We Believe About Ourselves. Kurt, welcome back to the show. John and Kathy, it's great to be with you. So perseverance um, is something that we all have to develop in life, Kurt. Uh, talk about the, the circumstances that can cause people to realize that I'm going to either have to you know, persevere or what, Perish. collapse in a corner somewhere. Right, exactly. You know, we like to tell the story that, you know, people really don't end up wanting to make changes in their life for the most part, until they have suffered enough. 
Now, this isn't always easy to hear because suffering happens differently for different people. But the whole notion of making change in some respects, the whole notion of my wanting to lose weight, the whole notion of my wanting to get better at playing the piano, the whole notion of my wanting to be more patient, the whole notion of my wanting to be anything that is more than who I am now. And especially in this time of COVID, we need to continue to practice and persevere once we've crossed a certain threshold of suffering. And, I, and, and, and what, where my mind is drawn, even from a neuroscience standpoint, my mind is drawn to the notion that perseverance comes out of a place of suffering. We think of Paul's words in the fifth chapter of Romans when he says that he, don't, he doesn't just, that, that, that we, we, we as believers, we as followers of Jesus, do not just glory in, we don't just hope in the glory of God, but we also glory in our suffering not because suffering in and of itself is a glorified thing, but because suffering leads to perseverance. Perseverance, perseverance. We, we hear this throughout the scriptural text. We practice, we practice, we practice in the face of really hard things. But it's important for us to remember that we often read that text as individuals. John, you and Kathy will read it. You know, I will read it. Others will read it as individuals. It's important to remember that the people who received this letter heard it in a community. They read this in the context of a group of people who were looking around the room, listening to somebody read Paul's language, read this letter to them as a, as a group of people. And what's important to know is that I am not expected in the body of Jesus. I'm not expected to persevere by myself. Hmm. We in the West commonly think, like when I think I've got to persevere in whatever it is that I'm trying to do next out of my suffering— that somehow I have to find the wherewithal within me as a person to persevere. And the scriptural texts are clear that the body of Christ is expected, it's anticipated that we persevere together. We are able to do it because we are looking across the room at someone else who says, that, that talks about their, their worldly belongings being stolen. And, you know, the first day that that happens, it's going to be crushing, but it might not be any less crushing 10 days from then and 30 days from then. And it's going to be important for that family. It's going to be important for myself, for others to be in places where no longer, no, no matter how long my suffering is, I can see the look in your eyes say to me, Kurt, I really get this and I'm not leaving the room. Let's keep doing this together. Perseverance, then, is important because I learn, and we like to say that the brain can do a lot of really hard work for a long time, as long as it doesn't have to do it by itself. Hmm. We are about to enter in, you know, a week, a week from yesterday, there's going to be an election. And we all know that there's a lot that we are perceiving that is riding on this about so many different things. And people are worried already about what's different across the political spectrum worried about what's going to happen. And I want to suggest to us that this sense of concern and fear and worry calls us to perseverance. It calls us not to be afraid, but it calls us to look for what it means for us to practice, practice, practice in the face of our perceived suffering, practice together, sensing, hearing, imaging, feeling the other's story and so most crucially, I would want our listeners to be curious about who are the people with whom, with whom we are persevering. 
not are you persevering as an individual, but who are the people with whom? Who are the people who, because of their presence in your life, they are enabling you to persevere? Mm. And that leads then to this notion. Paul says perseverance leads to character. And what is character? Character are those durable, reliable, predictable traits of being a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those traits that are durable, that can be counted upon. And the only way that those things become durable is if we've been practicing, practicing, we've been persevering. And in persevering, we lay down neural tract after neural tract after neural tract of patience, kindness, goodness. Mm. But we don't do it by ourselves. We must do it in the context of our great cloud of witnesses, those people in our lives who are enabling us to do this together. And this character that we become becomes the hope that Paul then says, because perseverance leads to character and character leads to hope. And what is hope? Hope is my anticipated future in which I see God being present and active, no matter who wins the election. I'm going to see God being present and active because of the perseverance that I am enacting right now in the presence of those who are loving me and I'm loving. And this hope, the text reads, keeps us from being ashamed. It does not disappoint. And therefore, the cycle is complete that shame, which is evil's primary neurobiological and interrelational weapon to disintegrate us as individuals, as communities, as a nation, that shame is going to be disallowed from being part of the conversation, part of our community, and enable us to do the next good, hard thing as we continue to persevere together. That's good. Dr. Kurt Thompson from Falls Church, Virginia, where Kurt is a psychiatrist in private practice. So, Kurt, you know, uh, when I think about perseverance, and, and as you're speaking here, of course, you know, you think about the members of the Holocaust community, you know, whether what, what mm. they persevered together, or, you know, prisoners mm. of war, where they were separated mm-hmm. from each other, but they were able to tap out signals to each other that you are not mm-hmm. alone. And, and then, of course, the local mm. church, to take it, you know, here is what you're talking about, but, but I wonder, in these fractured times, and of course, you as a psychiatrist in practice, in the stories that you hear about us together collectively or individually, the, the political spectrum, as much as we want to be the body of Christ, I believe there must be, I'm sure, places in our churches right now where people want to be the body of Christ, but politics has cut through that and made people that we love also suspect or perhaps those on the other side the enemy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, one of the things in the last six months, especially during COVID, that I've, that I've just have, have been noticing and I'm articulating to patients, you know, uh, we, we long to be people, especially people in the church, we long to be people who love one another. This is the greatest commandment, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, this new commandment that I give you. And what's really crucial about this is that when Jesus says this, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, he's not just saying it, love people because I've loved you. He's not just saying like, well, because I've done it, now you do it. He's saying, love people as I have loved you. And here's the thing. This 
you know, this whole thing about COVID itself and the political and racial and economic strife that is kind of hovering in in its midst, Mm -hmm. I said from the very beginning, isn't just something that has caused problems. It has revealed problems. It has revealed the reality that in order for me to love someone, I first must actually have had the experience of being loved. I can't give people what I don't have. I can't love my enemy if I have not personally had the deeply, viscerally embodied, felt sense of Jesus' love. And so to our listeners, I'm asking this question. Before we ask, how are you going to love across the political aisle and spectrum and so forth, I'm curious, who have you experienced being loved by? Who are the people? What's the experience that you have right now, and who are you paying attention to? When the disciples hear Jesus say, I want you to love people as I have loved you, not just in the same way, but Mm -hmm. Peter, have you experienced what it's like to be loved by Jesus? John, Kathy, Kurt, who are the people that I can think of and say, gosh, I can, I can name, I can name the people in my life who are loving me. And if I'm paying attention to that, then my mission becomes not to be right, but my mission becomes, I'm going to be on a mission to persevere as being a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is who I am going to become, but I can't become that if I have not received that in important ways from other people. And so we have to be practicing receiving that from people. Human beings, we have a hard enough time loving others. We have an even more difficult time actually receiving love from others. And because we haven't received it, oh, we've heard about it theologically. But what COVID and politics and everything else does is that it reveals the parts of our hearts that actually haven't been that effectively immersed in the experience of being loved. Because I will tell you, imagine for a moment, if you will, if Jesus were to show up in your bedroom tomorrow morning and he then takes you and goes with you everywhere you go and everywhere you go, Jesus is turning to your friends and your neighbors and so forth and say, gosh, do you know my friend Kathy? Like, I got to tell you about my friend Kathy. And he just starts to go on and on. Now, first of all, Kathy, at some point, like you're going to start to think this is weird. Right. Because nobody, nobody, nobody like shows up and loves me in this way, let alone starts to talk about me in these wonderful ways in front of other people. At some point, he's going to turn to you and say, like, do you really like I really want you to know, like, I am just so madly in love with you. John, I am so I, I can't believe I get to be your older brother right now, especially at some point. It will be difficult for us to resist this kind of love. And our sense and awareness of being loved in this way, as the New Testament reports, it casts out all fear. And I stop being afraid of politics, and I stop being afraid of COVID, and I stop being afraid of the work that I have to do for racial justice. Because if I'm receiving love in these practical ways in the, pe- in the lives of the people with whom I am dwelling, if I'm receiving love in this way, I can continue to persevere to be loving to others, no matter what it costs me, because I'm not paying attention to my fear or my shame. I'm paying attention to the interpersonal and neurobiological and spiritual realm 
of the kingdom of God's love. But this in and of itself, this paying attention to being loved, itself takes a great deal of practice. And so to our listeners, my hope and my encouragement is that the mission of the next week, two weeks, two months, in the wake of all that we're going to witness, one of the most important things that we can do is to dig in, to receive and give love in a persevering way, knowing that Jesus is always at work and not worried about any of this. <laughs> That's Dr. Kurt Thompson, psychiatrist in private practice, Falls Church, Virginia. He's author of the book, The Soul of Shame, Retelling the Stories We Believe About Ourselves. Dr. Kurt Thompson, thank you for being here today. Thanks so much. Great to be back. And that is some sense for you to keep in the forefront of your mind as the next week unfolds. That's Kurt Thompson. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the question is, does this make sense? Does it make sense? Our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is kind of like a pro football team. They've got their own language, Blue 42, Omaha, Z Post Dive, and we've got our own language, DTI, PMI, or Cash Out Refinance in Omaha. They've got fancy end zone dances like the Icky Shuffle and the Salsa, and my dad has his happy customer dance. I call it the Awkward Shuffle by a man who loves chips and salsa. But maybe the biggest similarity is that we both have special advantages. They've got world-class athleticism and talent, and we definitely don't. But we do have a special direct lender advantage. Our team is part of a company that uses its own money and makes its own lending decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman, and this advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money. Come get a mortgage touchdown at United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage lender license number 22672. As life gets back to normal and we start heading back to work, don't leave your leftover stash of toilet paper exposed to rodents. Send them packing the most humane way with plug-in pest-free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-in Pest-free, the electromagnetic device that utilizes the active wiring in your home or business to keep rodents and pests away. 100% chemical-free and environmentally friendly. Just plug it in. It's that simple. My strongest performer, the Pro Unit, is good for most homes and small businesses up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair income. Is your home or business protected? If not, order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code SAVE20 for 20% off. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. So I was at the beach recently with family when this guy with a metal detector nearby hits treasure. His detector is beeping. He drops it and starts digging. And my four-year-old nephew loses his mind and has to go see the jewels that are about to be uncovered. So I walk over there with him, admittedly a little excited myself, just in time to see that the incredible discovery is an old rusty zipper. Hey, it's Ryan, and while I'm unfortunately not a treasure hunter, our Faith and Family Mortgage Team has gotten really good at helping Word FM listeners uncover and cash out their own actual treasure. Home values have gone up significantly the last few years, leaving many families with the ability to cash out the equity buried in their home. 
to use for life, like some home updates or paying off credit card debt, or getting yourself a really nice metal detector to search for rusty zippers. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Spring cleanup is for everyone, but nature saves its biggest mess for fall, where we race against time and the never-ending piles of falling leaves, where echo power is more important than ever. Echo makes some of the world's most powerful outdoor power equipment, blowers and chainsaws that make light work out of the toughest fall cleanup jobs. Visit echo-usa.com to find an Echo dealer near you. That's echo-usa.com. Echo. Power on and on. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app by heart, tune in, and at radio.com. Clouds and sunshine this afternoon, high 58. Cloudy tonight, low 44. Cooler tomorrow with rain, high 52. Rain heavy at times tomorrow night, low 41. Rain continues into early Friday, then cloudy and chilly, high Friday 47. Sunny to partly cloudy Saturday, high 54. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Brian May. just makes me want to ask the question does this make sense and so john i have an item for you to consider today yes does it make sense real silver silverware i mean the knife the fork and the spoon it's not made out of stainless steel yep it's not something you picked up at bed bath and beyond or Mm -hmm. you know walmart but it's the real thing yep it can't go in the dishwasher Mm -hmm. it requires polishing yep does actual silver make sense well, if you had someone clean it and polish it for you, of course it makes perfect sense because there's something about holding a nice piece of silver ware in your hands and you go, this is a quality instrument mm-hmm. and I'm going to eat happily and stick this little fork in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it makes sense. Okay. But good. again, I'm not the one who's polishing yeah. it and cleaning it. Well, I'll tell you what, I am the person who's polishing it. Yeah. and cleaning it and i still say it makes sense oh i love it i believe in the real thing mm-hmm. i it's a pain to clean and i get all that but you know what i i still move forward with it i say nice. yeah, it does make sense how about that uh the creamy uh, stuff that you have to clean that with that's, that's all right stink. it's sticking to kind it's of really smelly all black that stuff and is grimy sticky. doesn't mm-hmm. it yeah all right silverware apparently we both agree for whatever reason that it makes sense all right Okay, Kath, I, I had a friend who, in inside of his car, in his glove box, he had himself a little paintbrush. Paintbrush? Yeah. What? And he would clean the dust from the inside of the car. Clean it up. What, you, what, you mean like from like the, your, your vents and everything? Yeah. <gasps> you know, the dust on the dashboard and whatnot. And he was also fastidious about the outside appearance of his car. Regularly, he would wash the car. So... Does it make sense to have a nice, clean car, tidy, inside and out? Well, I would say, John, and you've asked me this and you know this is a, kind of a sticking point for me. I like the paintbrush idea because I, I believe in the inside of the car, but the outside of the car, who cares? What? Who cares? Who cares? No, it does not make sense to clean the outside of your car. It makes perfect sense no. to clean your car. 
I mean, a clean car makes you feel good about yourself. The inside, the outside, every, we live in Pittsburgh. Who cares about a clean car in Pittsburgh? No, no. There's a little sort of sense of, I don't know, I hate to use the word, but pride. You're driving around in a nice, clean car. You're looking good and feeling better when your car is clean. That makes sense. Donald Trump never speaks softly. He speaks boldly. As the voice for the voiceless, defending the unborn, the strongest pro-life president in history, he speaks forcefully, protecting the persecuted here and around the world, and for our right to freely practice our faith. He speaks unapologetically, nominating a historic number of judges who will defend our God-given constitutional rights. Joe Biden and the radical left want to continue the Obama-Biden policies that forced immoral values in our homes and schools and support abortion up until the moment of birth. They've attacked President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, for her faith. And Biden wants to rig the Supreme Court, taking away our constitutional rights. Donald Trump speaks for us, boldly leading the way. He's never let us down and never will. I'm Donald Trump, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Donald Trump for President Inc. Joe Biden. Faith is what has got me through difficult times in my life. I lost my wife and daughter. When my son has stage four glioblastoma, it's a matter of months. Personally, for me, faith, it's all about hope and purpose and strength. And for me, my religion is just an enormous sense of solace. I go to Mass and I say the rosary. I find it to be incredibly comforting. Kierkegaard said, faith sees best in the dark. Think of all the people you know who are going through horrible things, and they get up every morning and they put one foot in front of the other. I marvel at people to absorb hurt and just get back up. And I'm absolutely, thoroughly convinced and optimistic about the prospects of this country. There is nothing, there is nothing you can do. I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Biden for president. Pastors and ministry leaders, Chuck Swindoll has a word for you about handling dissension in your church. We're to be sensitive with the sheep And let me be clear, we're to be strong and even stern when dealing with wolves. Chuck will be speaking this Thursday at our virtual Pastors Appreciation event, free online. It's a pastor-to-pastor talk. I would imagine right now in the minds of many of you, you're thinking of people who are in your church who release faulty information as they're stirring the pot. With music from Natalie Grant. Join us for a very personal message from Chuck Swindoll. Our gift to you online this Thursday, free. I admire you for the sacrifices you and your spouse make as you're engaged in ministry and for the years that lie ahead of For details and to register, click the banner at wordfm.com. Hi, this is Jim Daly, president of Focus on the Family. The election is just days away, and I hope you've made yourself aware of the issues at stake and have made your plans to vote. At the top of my list is the protection of innocent human life and the protection of religious liberty. Voting is a right, but it's also a privilege and a responsibility. Please don't sit this election out. It's too important. Encourage your friends and family to be sure and vote. we look forward to next week's election and we think okay so what's going to happen so what if trump wins what's it going to look like what if biden wins what's it going to look like there's a lot of concern about you know fringe groups doing crazy things and you know people not you know 
believing ballots or discounting them or whatever. And so as we think about a time that is fraught with tension and anxiety in the public square, we turn to our friend Jay Warner Wallace. Jim is a Dateline featured cold case detective, a senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview, an adjunct professor of apologetics at Biola, and in his spare time, author of a bunch of books, including Cold Case Christianity. Jay Warner Wallace, Jim, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Why don't you call me on these terrible, uh, these terrible situations? Like, right? like, I'm a lucky it, one. It'd be nice if we called you on Christmas or something. <laughs> because we I'm love actually, you. I know, I, and I, I, I get it, right? I mean, a lot of this is about us cons- being concerned, rightfully concerned about, you know, how yeah. is it we are going to navigate? And it does seem in some ways like it's, is it a law enforcement issue, right? Is that what it is? Is it a, a law and order issue? Is that, is that what we're thinking about as we approach the election? Or, right. and I, I think most of us, if you're listening right now, you, you really want to know, well, is there something I could do or something I have done that would either make this better or has maybe made it worse? And, and I think that's really where I would probably focus, right? Because I think in the end, all of us want to know is, can we somehow contribute to the, the, the fabric of this and, and change it, right? Cause that's, you know, it, it, granted, we're going to have real issues uh, in terms of safety and how people respond to this, but I think all of us have kind of contributed to the environment that now we find ourselves in. And, and let me just, this is, so is going to become a weird angle on it, but let me just throw it at you guys and see what you think. Good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of this is that we have allowed social media and our use of social media to change the discourse. And so all of that we're seeing in politics is not like it's any particular candidate. Granted, some candidates are more volatile than others, no doubt. But the environment we, we laid in front of them with social media has now allowed this to happen. Let's put it this way. There's no way you're going to say some of the things you would say on social media to your next door neighbor because you live next door to that guy. And, and you see him or her every day, and you're going to bump into them emptying your trash can, whatever. So you're just not going to say certain things to your neighbor because they know where you live and they know you personally. On social media, we have anonymity, and we, have, uh, we can cloak our identity enough to where we now suddenly feel very comfortable saying things publicly that we would never have said even privately. I mean, we, are, we, we don't try to mask anything, and we just raise the temperature in the room where the only discourse that I think young people think – what do they think is, is, is the appropriate nature of public discourse? Think about it. If you're 15 right now, and you've been raised in a social media world, and you will eventually be 25 and running for office and 45, what, what do you really think public discourse should sound like? We've modeled something about the creation of social media. That has number one. Um, it's everyone's a hammer looking for a nail, and we don't know how to, t- to speak civilly. Look at the comment sections on on any national article on any side in any platform. What you're going to find in the comment section is the nature of public discourse right now, and it's because we've allowed this kind of anonymity on social media. And so, I think the one thing I would say to all of us is that we have to contribute in the small ways. That, uh, that, that brings us back in alignment with a kind of civility. Um, yes, Jesus would call out, but Jesus is God, okay? I mean, Jesus would call out the Pharisees, there's no doubt about that. But how we are to treat our neighbor also includes how we disagree with our neighbor. And I think what we've done is we've just kind of we've modeled something for our kids, and we've now in small ways, and by the way, if you're willing to do this every day on Twitter, it, don't be surprised when it's what's left. I mean, what, what model of civil discourse have we given each other that we would then follow following an election? Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to be hammers looking for nails. 
Yeah. Okay. So Jim, I mean, it's not so much my neighbor, of course, like you're saying that I'm worried about because I, I am accountable to my neighbor, but what I'm worried about, you know, are those guys across town or down the street or wherever, you know, I mean, you, you know, yourself as law enforcement, you know, the riots in Portland that have gone on or, you know, heck even last night in Philadelphia or, you know, in Los Angeles after the world series. I mean, there are these marauding bands of crazy people who are speaking to each other on social media and then they go out and like they act a fool well there's no look i think part of this and law enforcement was always responsive right i mean a lot of it is responsive but what happens is we had an incredible rush of 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 crime stats in the 70s and 80s that then the response was you know, the stop and frisk law, three strike law in California. So now we are enjoying probably 20 years of some of the lowest crime rates in the country. And you'll see that when that happens, eventually the pendulum swings and you'll see well, what, what it turns out that it was the activity of law enforcement that contributed to those those years of low statistics. And so so now you're going to see that as people resist the role of law enforcement, it'll swing back. And it'll eventually, you know, it took 10 years from now, it'll swing in the other direction. And this pendulum swing back and forth, you see, is kind of the natural outcome mm, okay. of, of the role that law enforcement plays in culture. And let's face it, I always say it, and I think I've said it to you guys before, too, that law enforcement is the one necessary profession upon which every other profession is contingent. It just is. I mean, you cannot have a doctor doing his job safely unless there's some law and order in town. The first person who's employed in every new town in the West is what? It was a sheriff. And then you can have volunteer firemen even, but you you can't. You got to have a sheriff, a paid sheriff, because that's the one necessary profession. Now, what that means is that you have to have a profession that's really, really solid, right? Because you don't want to have if it's a bad uh, foundation to the culture, then everything's bad. Let's go back though to your concerns about election night. Yeah, do, do I have concerns about? Yeah, I definitely have concerns. And, and what we have to do is we have to figure out, you know, as a culture, are we committed? What, what do we? What do we? What is our response? I know I haven't seen. We're in a Republican administration right now, and I haven't seen anyone at a federal level kind of figure out how to navigate what to do at local jurisdictions. Law enforcement is a local is a local issue, mm-hmm. and every city is going to have a different response. So your response in Pittsburgh will probably be different than the response in Philadelphia, and it's going to be based on the city council and the mayor, and these are the officials that are elected. And, and I think as, as each of us looks at the local response of our law enforcement, we know that we have a way to change that going forward. It's going to be in the election of our local officials. So we get really you know, excited about national elections, but it turns out that where the rubber meets the road for each of us individually is usually at the local level. It's who Because if you have the support of local officials, then you'll, you'll shut this kind of thing down immediately. Right. Or, or you won't. It'll be a reflection of the local officials who have been locally elected. So unfortunately, that takes a little bit of time. So what will happen is if, if you feel like after the elections and whatever town you're living in, the response was uncontrolled and, you, and it was a safety issue, well, then you're going to probably end up wanting to reelect your mayor and city council to, to reflect the, the, your concerns. And if you think it was heavy handed, then people are going to uh, want to reelect their city council and mayor to, to overcome the heavy handed nature. But remember, each of these are, are local issues. And so in the end, that's where the election, that's where the rubber meets the road. Mm, right, locally. Yeah, you're right about that. Jay Werner Wallace is with us. Jay is a, um, Jim is a Dateline featured cold case detective. He's also the author of a bunch of books, including Forensic Faith. And he's also the creator of the Casemakers Academy for Kids. So 
Jim, we've talked a lot about you being the son of a cop, you being a cop, mm-hmm. your son mm-hmm. is a cop. Um, right. And this is just a, a, an attitude of service that you guys have had for a long time. And, you know, the conversation about police is ongoing across um, across the nation. And one of the things that you helped me to understand early on in this debate is that there aren't, um, you know, there aren't nationwide standards or regulations or whatever for police is that they're 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 specific to specific areas and so i'm wondering if you can just let us in on the conversation around that is there some movement to there being some sort of you know national regulation or oversight well there is okay so so on the broader issues there is you know uniformity uh, but but there's an ethos in each agency um, that, that is reflected usually by its local leadership, and so that there's so that's why there's not like one systemic approach in Los Angeles County to any given issue because you've got 34, 35 different municipalities, each uh, their own jurisdictions, and each has their own training process. They each has their own training timeline. I mean, it's all different depending on agency. So, mm-hmm. so I think that that's that's a problem, right? So this is why I'm always resistant to say, well, if you felt like there was an agency, even in your county that maybe was uh, treating people in a very racist manner. You'd have a hard time convincing me anyway that this is necessarily true then of every other municipal agency because I know from having interacted with these different agencies that we are very different. Uh, in terms of even our standards for for how we hire, we have post certification. We're all certified the same way, but there's a, so much uh, gray area and, and 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 flexibility in each agency. So yeah, that's very true. So the response you might have, for example, uh, in one part of of your state. Uh, even if you've got a county that say it's adjacent to Pittsburgh, in the city of Pittsburgh has got its own police department, but there's probably uh, unincorporated areas right adjacent to the city that are, are governed by uh, county sheriffs or, or county agencies. And that's a very different kind of a, a – they're, they're equipped differently. They've got their own budgets. They may or may not have an active full-time SWAT team, for example. Those could be – sometimes they're active and full-time. Sometimes they're collateral duties. It depends on the agency. And it depends on the kind of training you're going to get. You're not going to get. You're going to get a very different response, in just a mile apart, in two different places in the city. If one is in the city proper and one is in the county, because you're going to have two different agencies responding to the crisis. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's hard to. to and, and this is. And I don't know that it. I'm not sure that there's a, a good solution to that. I, I like the idea. Of of local responses, both in education and in law enforcement and in fire being accountable to local governments because then people have the best chance of having input because you're not voting on a national level for something that affects a city across the nation. You're voting on what's going to affect your community. And I like that idea, right? That, that gives us more control. So I don't know that I sure. want to, to, to move away from that too much. I'm talking with Jay Warner Wallace. Jim Wallace is a Dateline featured cold case detective, senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview adjunct professor of apologetics at Biola University, author of a book that we love, Cold Case Christianity, also God's Crime Scene and Forensic Faith. Okay, Jim, let's go back from once we started. So next week, this will be upon us. As believers in Christ, we are not called to be an anxious mess, to sow any sort of division amongst ourselves. As you talk to us, as you're a believer and someone in law enforcement for decades, the best road ahead for us is to do what? Okay, the situational awareness. I mean, every every time you, 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 you have the best chance of not being victimized by having situational awareness. Like, I'm always aware of where I am in a room, 
Um, I mean, this is the crazy cop in me, I guess. But, you know, this is why I, I'm always thinking about what's the worst case scenario that could happen if I cross this parking lot with my kids? What's the worst case scenario? And I try to act in a way that mitigates against the worst case scenarios. And that's crazy to live your whole life that way. So let me offer an analogy from over the weekend. I, I watched the Seahawks game when they played the Arizona Cardinals, okay? Yeah. If you're a Cardinals fan, there was no time in that game that you were leading until the overtime win. Right. The yeah. last score of the game. Until right. then, they were either behind or tied. Okay? So if I looked at that game in the third quarter, I would have easily said, oh, I'm kind of anxious about this. But if you knew from the beginning that they're going to win this in overtime, it's just the way it's, it's going to be crazy until we get there, but they're going to win it in overtime. You would have like been chill about watching the whole, the whole movie, the whole, the, the whole game, right? You'd have been very relaxed about it because you know how it turns out. Folks, in the end, if Christianity is true, we live an eternal life with God that starts now, but it extends beyond our death, and we already know how the game ends in overtime. And what we tend to do is in the third and fourth quarter is we get panicky because it seems like we're, everything's out of control. But if Christianity is true, we know how this ends, and we ought to be uh, watching the game differently. Yeah, I'm not concerned. Yes, do I want to play my role? Yes, do I want to do the right thing before God? Yes, do I want to seek justice? Do I want to seek uh, reconciliation? Of course. But in the end, I know how the game ends, and I know that you and I are not in, in complete control of this. We just have to respond and do our part, do our job, right? But in the end, I don't feel like this anxious angst anymore because I know how the game ends. Mm. Very nice. Boy, that is a good perspective. That is Jay Warner Wallace. Jim, we love you. We are praying for peace over this next week. We know you are as well. Thanks, but I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Jim. Listen, you should look into some of Jim's books because oh. he is so terrific. He's you great on social media as well. Uh, the title of the book's... Cold Case Christianity, God's Crime Scene, Forensic Faith, and the uh, Casemaker series for kids.